Brass Band to Follow is the name of Brian Walpert's fourth poetry collection, and in it, he's thinking about what it means to move into middle age. The busy professor in creative writing at Massey University in Auckland has also written an award-winning novella, Late Sonata, short stories, and academic books on poetry. We're going to start with one of his new lyric poems. Experiments Touching Cold We often use the word freeze in the transitive sense to signify the operation upon other bodies, is what I was thinking, or rather abruptly recollecting from my reading as it had started to hail, so I missed the last thing she said. And to cover that lapse, I slid open the glass door of the deck to hear the patter against the boards, the softer ticking against the trees, the worrisome tinier clatter on the roofs of cars, ours, having left them on the drive. And because we had been talking for what must have been two hours when the hail started to fall, covering and recovering ground, like a word repeated over and over, the sense of things was becoming lost, leaving only a general memory that there was a sense behind it, a terrain we had long mapped in our heads, each of us starting with the position that the other had inflicted some measure of damage, though perhaps less certain now. As it had grown quite late, of course, the conversation growing more strident as the ice fell faster, pummeling the cars, reaching a sort of intensity that had us now in a surprising communion before the window, knowing it would be clearer in the morning, when in a more sympathetic light, perhaps after some sleep, we would be better positioned to stand back to assess what might at some cost be repaired, what we might live with. Brian, I always learn things when I'm reading your poetry collection, and micrographia, which is kind of core uh, to many of the poems in here, define that for us and why you're so fascinated by it. Well, micrographia micrographia was the uh, title of Robert Hooke's study of microscopic objects. Um, He was using the microscope, and um, when I heard that term or read that term somewhere, um, and learned about Robert Hooke. I just loved, I loved the word because it suggested writing through graphia. And so I immediately started thinking about the resonances, about thinking about the small things and how could that work itself into a poem uh, or how could it work itself into a series of poems. It was really the language in it that struck me as offering a potential to talk about something completely <laughs> completely different than what he was talking about. He was looking at every little object he could find. The full stop, for example, is one of them. And just every little razors and just finding in these miniature things, giant worlds. And so using that language, I started talking about other things, mostly domestic related. And one became a sort of lens, so to speak, uh, on the other. And, and the language carried the day. And one of those domestic examples, Brian, that you use is looking at common salad oil. Yes. Well, common salad oil was just something that came out of the scene that I was imagining, which was a domestic scene where somebody, the speaker, is washing dishes and his his partner is, is distant emotionally, but also increasingly physically in that poem, you know, wandering into the other room. And I was thinking of things that, that don't settle well together. So you had the salad oil and the water uh, while, he's, while he's washing those dishes. 
one of the poems that's, that stayed with me is in the same section, Brian, of, of a small needle. Yes. And, and as with your work, it starts with one thing and, and takes us in another direction. But just starting with this concept of a of a less than sharp needle going through the skin is very powerful. Yes, well, that was what he noticed, right? I mean, things that look so sharp from the distance of height, so to speak, uh, when he looked at them close, closely, he's like, well, this this actually looks kind of blunt. I mean, it's, it doesn't look sharp at all when you look at it uh, under the lens. And, uh, of course, that led me to think about blunt comments that are meant to pierce, which is how, how that poem came about. And of the razor is in the same section of, of poetry. Yeah, that one was fun. Uh, of the razor, uh, we started with him, him uh, you know, looking at, at the razor and how, how could it possibly actually cut anything? Because if you look at it so closely, it, it does seem such a blunt uh, object. And so that led me to imagine someone thinking this through while they were shaving and at the same time thinking about a dispute they had with, uh, with a partner and, and trying to work all that through philosophically. The last section of the book, Brass Band to Follow, you take the name of the collection from this. So I thought we would discuss that poem, what you're exploring in this one. So Brass Band to Follow came from a, a sign in a, a Christmas parade. And I was there with my son, uh, who was very young, who was finally in the parade, you know, he was probably five. I can't remember. And uh, he was very excited to be there. He's super excited to be there. But when I looked at him in this sort of truck bed with all the other kids in a really sweaty costume, it was very hot. I thought, well, I hope this meets his expectation. And that, that sort of worked alongside seeing that sign, Brass Band to Follow, which I suppose, is that a common sign at parades? It, it was, was the first time I'd seen one. And I just thought that was really funny that there's this big promise that the <laughs> that the brass band is coming, and could it possibly you know live up to that promise? And it struck me as a sort of metaphor for the brass band that it's easy to expect will someday show up after all this scrambling around in life to to succeed. Where's the where's the brass band? All those ideas mixed together in that poem. Thing of metaphor, metaphor also is something you explore in smoke. Smoke, yeah, smoke was, um, well, that was, it was sort of sad writing that, that poem. It fit with the middle-aged theme of the book, really. It was all about time passing and how quickly things disappear and move along. And, of course, that was applicable to the children uh, that I was writing about there and the seasons. Uh, that they represent. The the collection opens with prompted, and again, these are very quite different in nature. These poems. This is the collection that you've been working on, anticipating they would all come together between the same covers, or are these poems that you've been been writing, and then you sit down and you curate them. Right. So <clears throat> you're asking me about what the difference between a mixed tape versus a project manuscript. Nice. Yes, I wish right? I thought of saying it like that. I, I, I wish I had thought of it too. I'm just, I'm, I'm quoting somebody else. But um, so some of these, I definitely wanted to come together. So for example, the series with the Robert Hooke, the Micrographia, and the series with Robert Boyle, which I had particularly fun doing uh, with his language um, experiments, Touching Cold. I knew those would all be central to the collection. 
Others, I wrote, as I wrote, I realized they would start to uh, cohere. And others I hadn't written with this manuscript in mind, but they seemed to fit or offer variety on the other hand. It was partly a project manuscript and partly a mixtape manuscript. And the prompted poems, several of them, including that one, were actually the same prompt that I use with my students in class where they generate a series of words. And then everyone has to use, it's often something like a dozen of those words in a poem that they write on the, on the spot. They can add whatever other words they want, but as so long as they use a dozen of those words. And so often I'll write alongside the students uh, to see what I come up with. And several of them in the collection arose from that because you never know what's going to come up. You're, you're totally following the language rather than intentions, which is the goal of the prompt to get people to think, see that actually if you follow language, interesting things happen. Well, I have prompted right in front of me as it happens as you're describing that, and that, that explains for me the structure of this. So you, you're talking about one of your prompt words is poplar and another is twigs, and you explore those, and then you'll throw in uh, another word later on like rock. So this, this would be one that you'd written alongside your students. And how different on reflection, Brian, if I had them all in front of me with these same 12 prompt words, would they all be entirely different? They're all completely different. Not only are they all completely different, but they're some of the best poems that they write because they are not beholden to a message or an idea that, that drove the poem. And they can really have fun with it. And they they have to really dig deep. Some some are very narrative and some are very associative. Interesting things arise. Words turn to metaphor that they might not otherwise have thought of. They might say, What well, you know, these aren't my words. And I'm, and I have to say, well, actually, none of the words are your words. They're they're all in the dictionary. They belong to everybody. This is a a random subset of them. And look what you've done. It's really interesting. The students that you work with, as a matter of interest, Brian, are you finding there are any themes coming from them or any styles, or is it very, very open what your students are writing about? Well, it's largely open. In my second year poetry course, there's both open poems, but they have to write at least one uh, love poem, elegy, or ode, because I <clears throat> go into the ode, elegy, and love poem in the course a lot. But within that, there's a you know, great deal of freedom. And I do provide writing prompts that they can use, but the styles really vary. Uh, there, there is a tendency to want to send a message. There, it seems to be more and more political political poems. And uh, what I'm trying to help students to see is that that can come across without being didactic. And that if the message is too much driving the poem, then the language becomes very familiar. And so that's, I think that's one of the struggles people have with poems when they start. Brian Wolpert's poetry collection, A Brass Band to Follow, is published by Otago University Press.